Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, tax depreciation expert at MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today, we're talking to a fellow podcast host, a Mr. Damien Hoare. Now, as at the time of recording, it was his 26th birthday. So we want to say a big happy birthday to Damien. Now, the reason I wanted to have a chat to him is that he runs, of course, a successful podcast talking to property investors and also the issues around renting and housing affordability in Australia. And I wanted to get an idea from him as to what he sees the issues are and what his generation and the people that he speaks to understand about property and whether it's as important to them as it has been in the past, where they see some of the issues as being and what they see as perhaps some of the problem. I challenge him on some notions that perhaps baby boomers or older people have around young people and their complaints about housing prices. And Damien is very gifted at being able to bridge the gap between the people that do invest in property and understanding the 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 issues that they have providing that rental accommodation and also young people that are finding crisis levels of rental affordability. A slightly different direction for the podcast in this episode, more of a discussion piece, but I think it's something that I'd love to hear from you, your comments on the discussion, whether you agree with Damien, whether you agree with myself or vice versa. It'd be interesting to hear those thoughts, so please ping them through and share them on the Facebook community or wherever else you interact with us. But here's Damien. Damien Hall, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. By the way, and we aren't necessarily live today when this comes out, but it's yeah, your birthday yeah. today. So happy 26th birthday. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Feels exactly the same as 25, but yeah, another year down. So closer to 40. That'll happen. Yeah, 40. Uh, I don't want to talk about 40. Um, it's too soon. Uh, now, I've been kind enough to be a guest on your podcast. I'd love you to give that a little bit of a plug because you've got, um, you know, some great guests on that show. Not talking about myself, yeah, for, actually proper for, people. Yeah, you you included for sure. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a podcast I run with my dad who's also my boss uh, called the Finance and Property Survival Guide. So it's a bi-weekly show. I think that's a term comes out twice a week. We do an interview and then a news segment, just breaking down whatever topics are sort of um, relevant to Australian finance or economic news. So yeah, that's the podcast you could check out. I love the graphics for it. And I, I love your your interview style. Um, it, it's fantastic. And I think, unfortunately, I've got to admit that I'm getting old in the tooth, right? Um, I always right. felt young, you know, all, I, for, for many, many years, everyone that I ever met was was older than me, but it's not happening anymore. So I've got to admit that my finger is not on the pulse. Um, okay. I've never heard a Post Malone song, for example. So immediately I'm redundant. But what I wanted to, 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 to get you in um, on the ground floor for is that you're, you're in your mid-20s and I, I want to know what it's like for, I guess, Textbook, you're a textbook millennial. Um, what is it like for for property? What 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 is a twenty year old person's sort of what 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 does property mean to them? Where, where where does that landscape sort of fall? Okay, um, speaking for myself first, and then for I guess uh, the feelings that my friends might have. Um, I grew up in a family where my dad 
taught us a lot about finance quite early. So the possibilities of getting into property felt more uh, realistic than perhaps a lot of people my age. So a lot of people my age, um, especially, uh, yeah, mid-20s, early 20s, feel like it's a pretty impossible endeavour, uh, especially if they're living in some of the major cities or the major regional hubs. Obviously, like I grew up in Newcastle, so Newcastle is a place that it's starting to feel like it's pretty hard to get into the market there unless you're willing to move as far out as places like, uh, you know, Gilliston Heights or Maitland, which nothing wrong with those places, but um, the possibility of living close to where your parents are uh, if you wanted to stay close by seems quite difficult because the market has gone quite quickly and the prices have gone quite high. So I think... Um, I think it seems like a pretty hard task to to manage for most people my age, for sure. And with that sort of frustration that and that angst, what, what's it pointed at? Is it the bloody baby boomers that have ruined everything? You know, on the other side of the equation, the boomers will say, "Oh, you you kids these days, you can't you can't pleasure delay. You've got to have all the fancy new stuff, and you know you'll never be able to get anywhere if you don't make sacrifices." You know, do, do you see do you see the merit of of both arguments, and where do you think young people are landing? If um. If, if not to be, I don't want to start a, a generational war, but if baby boomers had one of these, Mike, I don't know which way I'm going, one of these uh, yeah. that is constantly showing them advertising for things to buy very easily uh, with credit cards readily available, I think they would have the same uh, frustrations with maybe... I feel like we're in a different time to where the baby boomers grew up. I could be wrong. That's just my opinion. But I feel like there are aspects of how society is now that it's pretty hard to save money when you're just you're just inundated with advertising to buy things all mm. the time. I feel like that's a conversation we never want to have. Um, that being said, I think people my age, I'm not sure if I think I I think I just fall into the category of millennial. I feel like millennials have it wrong where they think that uh, it's purely the baby boomers problem that we're in this mess and it's because of uh, selfish older people who own all the houses and don't want to sell houses and don't want to give young people a chance. I think that's wrong too. I think it's uh, there's a lot more factors than just that that sort of making it hard for us to get into the market uh, as it stands today. I'm not sure if that answered your question, sorry. No, it does. And I think culturally there's a greater expectation that we sort of show the trappings of success, even as youngsters, right? Like you mm. don't want to sort of be left behind and, and not seem like you're part of the cool gang because you haven't got the right gear or, you know, like what what are you going to be doing as a as a 12-year-old now, now, like chasing around a hoop and a stick like they did in the 1950s? You know, you kind of got to have an electric scooter and there's a, there's a lot yeah. of things that are very, very different now about the culture that I think that there were back then. So de definitely answers the question. Um, I want to talk about you and your personal journey. Obviously, um, you know, having that mortgage uh, broking background and, and understanding, but not necessarily, you know, being old money or having a big nest egg or an easy way to just go and transact on a property. What have you actually done uh, with yourself, Damien? Okay. So, yeah, um, 
to give the I guess the origin story, uh, which is how I prefer to give it to to sort of preface it. Um, I was living overseas until just before COVID hit, and when COVID hit, I came back home. Uh, just beforehand, not knowing that a pandemic was going to hit. And I was broke. I had about $500 in my bank account. And the only reason I wasn't homeless was because my parents let me come back to the family home. And I lived there for a little bit, got a new job and decided I didn't, I never wanted to be broke again. Um, so I started working, started saving for a deposit. And uh, two years on or so, I got into the housing market. Um I bought a house in a regional town uh, called Dubbo in in central New South Wales. It's about five hours, five hours ish west of Newcastle. Um, I've been here for about two months, a month and a half since I bought the place, and I, I've I've just been setting it up, mowing all the lawns, figuring out how to be a homeowner, paying for council rates, which sucks. Uh, yep. So I'm sort of learning a lot as I go. Um, what was the other part of your question? Sorry, Mike, I'm getting caught. No, that was it. I just kind of, yeah, I yeah. wanted to, to know what you've actually done, um, and 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 what your your plans are as well, right? Because mm. you know, with your podcast, you've spoken to a lot of uh, inspirational people that have achieved some great things in property, and and you're wanting to achieve, you know, some portfolio goals. So, mm. how are you planning to take the next step? What does that look like for you? No, okay, okay. Um, I think for me going forward into the future so I'm, I'm 26 today i think i would love to have uh, one or two more by the time i'm 30 probably one is realistic but uh i'm already noticing that how how much is enough do you know what i mean mike like i've got yeah. one house and i'm pretty happy you know, I'm living here. I want to make it an investment property down the line, but it's not so I can build another and build a tycoon of an empire and never leave Australia again. So I, I am sort of trying to tread a line here where I have enough so I'm financially free to do what I want to do, which is probably still work a job that I enjoy. Um yeah. But I want to have a life. I still want to go out and travel and see more of the world than I've already gotten to see, which I'm pretty appreciative of. Um, so I think down the line I want to buy another place and continue to invest but in a more passive way uh, just so I don't have to worry too much about day-to-day -day stresses unless, I, unless if I get a couple of houses I'll definitely have a manager involved to help me with it because I, I just don't want to have to deal with too many people and all the moving pieces of that because it does sound like a lot of stress for people that have several properties. Yeah, it certainly can be. What, what I think uh, you've done that's of, of interest and, and perhaps if I was talking to someone that wanted to get into the property market, this would be, you know, the best advice is that, you know, that that first property has probably got to be modest. And if it's in a regional location that you're able to to move to, great. And to help you to to finance that, you can have people rent out the rooms, which I know that you might be planning on doing later on. H how achievable do you think it is for um, for people to 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 have jobs and then go into regional locations to get their their foot on the ladder. Do, do, with with mm. your job, I know you have flexibility, but w would your friends sort of say, "Well, that's that's not an option open to them"? Or do you think it is? Yeah, um, 
it really depends on the person. I'm in a really, uh, I'm in a very privileged position, and I hate using the word privilege because I hear a lot of people from where I used to live in Melbourne say it, and it's annoying, and I don't like the word, but I will use it here. Um, yeah. Something I've noticed, come, uh, something I've noticed getting into the property market myself, like um, I'm, I grew up by no means like poor, but I would say middle class is probably a fair way to put it, but. My yep. parents have put a lot of effort into trying to help uh, financially if if we wanted to get into the market. So I saved up half of my deposit and my family helped me with the other half. So I want to preface that uh, by saying that. I also want to um, I also want to mention that I used a government scheme. Um, I think it was the first home buyer deposit scheme, but they changed the name of it every couple of years when a new po politician gets into office. So I'm not okay. really sure what it's called now. So... Um, I leveraged the use of one of those to get into the market. Um, yeah, I, I work a job that is quite flexible and I'm in a white-collar profession, so I can work from anywhere as long as I have a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, that definitely worked in my favour, uh, but it also worked in my favour that I was willing to move my entire life to a country town in the middle of, the, of nowhere. It's a lovely yeah. place. There's lovely people here, but it's not Melbourne where I used to live. Um, because it was way too expensive to buy a house in Melbourne. The the price of an apartment in Melbourne, a two-bedroom apartment in Melbourne, is what I paid for a three-bedroom house on a huge block of land in Dubbo, New South Wales. So mm. my, my journey to getting here was by no means, like, easy. There was a lot of sacrifice personally to move here, um, but I definitely did have help that other young people don't. And I, I, I think about this a lot, and we talked about this when we had Coffee Mike. Yep. I, it may not just be a story of my generation. It may have been the story of generations past, and it definitely will be generations, the story of generations in the future. The people that will, there will be a, there'll be a divide between the people that get into property early and the people that don't. Uh, and I think some of the people that get into the property market early is because they've got family members that can help them with a deposit because yep. with cost of living being what it is, with rental costs being as high as they are, um, obviously you want to be trying to tell young people you've got to save, you've got to be good with budgeting, you've got to have good money management. But when rent costs are very high, inflation's what, 7.8% in December, Um there's only so many times you can tell young people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps um, yeah. if they don't have help from family members or were never exposed to the education that I was exposed to to be able to get to where I am. Like I'm very aware that the cards I was dealt were better than a lot of people's, but I've also got the knowledge to play my hand the best way possible. I've never yep. played poker in my life. I don't know if that's the right way to use that metaphor but I, I just worry about that a lot i just worry about that a lot mike you know um yeah yeah and i think part of the reason why i wanted to get you on and part of the reason why i like you is you, you you're quite um you're 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 a philosopher in in many ways right but <laughs> even if we even if we sort of say all right like here's another story about like a guy you know bought a property he'll build a portfolio but it all sort of kicked off with a handout from the government, handout from from mum and dad. I mean, you you still 
you're still safe for two years. So let's say with with inflation or house price increases, that was you know five or six years. I mean, that's still not a, a huge amount of time to become a homeowner, but you've also got the sacrifice of the location and that sort of thing. Um, the first homeowner grant, obviously, you've got to prove that you're occupying that. People that are sort of trying to turn that into an investment, I've seen the ATO um, chase those people and it's not a great outcome. Do, do mm. you think... Do you think that, um, and, and and getting back to your point too, we've both really won the lottery of life, and I think most people 100%. listening to this show have run, won a lottery of sort. We, we of sorts. We're not born in a war torn location. You know, we're we're clever enough to to look at this YouTube clip or listen to this podcast on on iTunes. We have a device, right? Um, but when it comes to being, I'm going to make you a representative of of you and your friends and your your generation do, do you okay. think that there is a realization that it, that property ownership might not necessarily be that quintessential australian dream that quintessential right and we actually transition to perhaps a little bit more of a southeast asian model or european european model where where most people are actually renters and and lifelong renters the Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. If that's their choice, I don't really have a problem with it. But I do worry, like, I've, I found it weird, the homeowner thing being, you know, the Australian dream being, you know, we're all homeowners. Um, because I also know a lot of people that bought a house in their 20s that are now in their 60s and have never left the country. If that's what they want to do, then that's fine. But um, I think the... There's a lot more options for young people these days, so I'm not sure that that home ownership thing is as important and as quintessential as it maybe once was because the the world's at your fingertips these days. You can see all around the world on your phone and sort of decide if you want to travel somewhere or go somewhere. Or um, I think our I, I feel like my generation is a lot more mobile. I have no data to back that up, but I feel like... Um, at least anecdotally, a lot more of my friends love to travel than they do worrying about saving a, a ton of money to get into the property market. They're more yep. worried about experiences than they are uh, setting down roots or building financial uh, wealth. Sorry, financial wealth. That's a bit silly. Uh, building wealth, you know. Um, so I do think that's changed for sure. But it's still important because you're eventually going to have to stay somewhere. And yeah. if you still have to pay your rent in your 50s, that's not great either. So I'm not sure how to thread the needle for young people like myself to, to explain to people that are like my friends, like it's okay to travel, it's okay to go overseas or live and rent in different places, but do you want to have to be worrying about your rental costs when you're 50 or 60 or do you want to chill out? I think that's probably the 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 main takeaway i try to explain to my friends and that's sort of why i'm doing it so early is if i do it earlier hopefully i can chill out a little bit earlier that's the goal at least so yeah i like that it's a it's a 
why, why, why have you got to say, oh, I want 10 properties in 10 years or I want to have 50 properties? I just want to chill out, you know, because because mm. housing, housing stress, I think we're defining that at the moment of, of more than 40% of your income um, is is a housing cost. And, you know, rents for, for young people have, have had a huge boom over the last little while. I mean, do the, do the, the same people that perhaps complain about rental costs going up um, have aspirations to be homeowners or, or do you think that they they blame investors or understand that, well, actually we've seen a real decline of investors in the last couple of years and that's one of the main reasons why there has been an increase in those prices? I think most people my ages, unless they've got family members working in any industry related to the property market, I think a lot of people my age have the opinion of landlords are greedy and they're raising the rents because they're greedy. They don't know that there's been, I don't think it's record low levels of investors leaving the market, but I know that a lot of people sold over the last couple of years that owned investment properties to take advantage of how crazy prices went. So I don't think... Like unless you're in this industry, I don't think you realise uh, the the real causes of why we're in this mess, whether we talk about, I guess, uh, you can argue that investors aren't treated the best by government. You can argue that depending on the state, some investors have pretty um, unreasonable expectations for the types of uh, updates required on their rental properties. I think some of them are reasonable. I think sometimes investors complain a little too much, if I'm being honest, but I do think sometimes government is a little too excessive with their expectations too. I don't think people my age are fully across those things because it's not really talked about in the news. It's normally, you know, I remember a couple of months ago there was a real estate agent telling all their landlords, you know, you can raise your rents 50% healthily, it's going to be fine, you're going to make more money this year, great rental yields, and everyone was up in arms about that. But they're not complaining about, you know, the lack of investment in social housing by government. They're not complaining about um, why it takes way too long for council to approve, um, you know, big uh, unit unit apartment buildings, you know, like I I just think the the news doesn't cover it other than say landlords are scumbags and some landlords are scumbags. I've met a couple, but it's not all, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not it's not it's not all landlords. Um, so I do feel for investors, but yeah, young people that I do think they've got it wrong, but it's not their own fault. It's just that it's very hard to find that information unless you're in in the industry. Mm. And you reference, you know, being a little bit more mobile and, you know, having some friends that, that want to travel. Are, are they the same people that will go and do the travel and come back and complain about house prices or are they sort of saying, look, um, if if I don't commit to a very draconian savings plan, I, I, I probably should give up. So I'm going to go and travel because that's something that I'm going to wait uh, later on in life or, or do you think there's a there's an aspect of wanting to have your cake and eat it too i think there's a mix I, i've definitely got friends that want to have their cake and eat it too a hundred percent um 
I think a lot of people also just feel like it's impossible. It's an impossible yeah. thing because it, uh, I didn't have to save to the point of being a draconian sort of budgeting thing, but it was very hard. I didn't go out drinking with friends for two and a half years. I didn't have much of a social life for a while to do what I did. Um, but I'm not sure that's new. I'm not sure that's a new thing. I'm not sure. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people in the 80s had to do the same thing. So I do think I think some people my age do want the best of both worlds, and unfortunately you can't have that. Um, yeah. So you're probably, you're, probably, uh, you're probably hitting the nail on the head where there is people in my generation that want both, uh, where they can't have both for sure. I feel like you're you're kind of like the Switzerland between this this um, baby <laughs> boomer view that like oh millennials just complain and they buy all this stuff and they can't get in a house and they make it our fault and then you know also the millennials that are kind of saying look if you own an investment property you're the devil and all you want to do is fleece me and increase in, increase the rent how how are you finding that position because you know with the podcast and with your business you're you're talking to some of these people that that might own 50 60 100 properties you're also going out with friends um now if your mortgage repayment and council repayments um council rates allow with people that are that have got those views so how do you find yourself in that position and and where does your allegiance lie if anywhere Mm. Um, they, yeah, I feel like a man without a people a little bit because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I feel like I'm not sure for this cause I, I don't go it. I don't, um, apart from my dad, who I work for my dad, David is the boss man. I'm a foot soldier in the business. I love that man to death. I'll, I'll preach that man praises for years to come, uh, for the opportunities he's given me. But, uh, we don't really uh, hang out with or chat with a ton of people within the industry. I'm not sure whether my uh, age group is represented a lot in the industry. I could I could probably name one other broker that's my age that's a mortgage broker in the industry. So I do feel like it's a lot of older people. Uh, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Like a lot of my friends that are young have these misconceptions about how this market works and how the industry works and how rents work and how the government's uh, how the government will affect rentals. Um, they don't really understand that, but I think a lot of people that are older uh, don't have their ear to the ground to understand where young people are coming from anymore. And that'll come mm. for me too. There'll be a point like you were saying at the start, Mike you sort of feel like you don't know any Post Malone songs. You you feel like you're a bit out of the loop. I speak to 20-year-olds and I feel old. So I don't think that ever I, – I thought that would happen when I'm in my 40s, but it's happening now. So uh, it'll come for all of us. But, yeah, I feel like a man without a people a little bit because I can understand why young people are frustrated, but they also aren't willing to make the sacrifices I made. So yeah. – it's difficult. It's difficult for sure. But the old people get annoying too. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's try and wrap this up with with your views around uh, a solution. Where where our business is actually putting out a bit of a press release about um, the rental affordability crisis and what we think. Um, can be done about it or should be done about it. Um, but I want to know from from your perspective, what what are you thinking the solution is? How, how do we get from a point where 
you know, housing costs uh, are not putting us in in crisis uh, conditions with the the cost of housing as a, as a proportion of our income. Uh, and and what does what does home ownership look like in a future in a way that all parties have opportunity and and you know safety and a house over their head without too much stress. Hmm. I hate to not to plug my own show but to use someone else's opinion for my own because I didn't have an, a, a possible solution. There are two people that I interviewed on the show. One is from the New South Wales Tenants Union. Uh, he's mm -hmm. a, a legal advocacy, advocacy group for tenants around New South Wales. Um, I think his name was Leo Patterson Ross. Um, I spoke to that guy. And then a week after that, I spoke to a guy called Joey Maloney from the Grattan Institute, and they cover and do uh, a lot of work for government and government policy and how the futures might might go for government and for people in the economy. So um, Joey Maloney brought up rent control, and I think Leo Patterson Ross did as well. I don't know enough about rent control and how government could be involved in rent control to really give you a great diatribe about why it's important and why we should consider it. But yep. Leo Patterson Ross and Joey Maloney explained to me why it could be beneficial. And I think that should be talked about more. Uh, yep. I'm not saying forever. I'm saying temporarily. Um, I know that on the energy side of things, the cost of energy prices is expected to double for until at least 2024 in Australia, the cost of energy uh, as we start transitioning to renewables as well. The government's looking at doing uh, capping uh, the cost of energy at a fixed price to help consumers deal with cost of living issues. If that works, I don't see why we shouldn't talk about rent control being temporarily enacted. Um, yep. Other than that, I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, and you've spoken to some some blokes with some pretty good resumes there, but I I think there's 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 alternatives that that perhaps come to the same outcome because we've had you know a, a lot of issues in Queensland about some of the proposed land tax changes and the Greens have come with these these rent control things. But if we were to move to a model where, such as overseas, it's much more common to have longer term tenancies where people feel like they belong in the property and they have they have more rights. I mean, a fixed term uh, lease with let's say it's a a 10-year lease with CPI rental increases, that is a type of rent control in a way, right? But, you mm -hmm. know, your average lease is going to be, what, six or 12 months or maybe it's 12 months. So at the end of that, there's the opportunity to to increase that and review that and and it, it's, it's all going to what, what the market can take and the market has been fluctuating fluctuating so much that it's it's very hard for someone to go from paying 350 a week to 430 you know overnight and there's plenty of evidence to that so it's an interesting problem that perhaps mm. nobody has the exact um answer for but yeah very very um appreciative of hearing your views and wishing you all the best uh, out in the Western Plains. I'd love to check in with you down the track to see if you are in that um, state of Nirvana where you're just able to chill out and, and you feel like you've got enough um, to, to keep you in, into retirement with a with an income that, that suits you. So thanks, Damien. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for the time, Mike. Love your work. Cheers.